Hi everyone. Uh, welcome to the Emra podcast. This is our, you know, inaugural episode, and we're really excited to get started. But um, before we start this episode, I wanted to give you guys, as the listeners, an, a brief introduction to this project and, and the people that are participating in this podcast, just so that you guys have a little context for, you know, the purpose behind this and why we're doing it. Um, my name is Akil Paladugu. I'm a third-year psychobiology major currently studying um, at UCLA, and I'm part of the Emergency Medicine Research Associates program. Um, you know, sponsored by David Geffen School of Medicine, which is a UCLA medical school and run at um, UCLA's medical center, the Ronald Reagan um, Medical Center. Um, I recently became a part of, of the leadership team of EMRA. And um, this is one of the first projects I'm tackling. And then the purpose behind it is to create, you know, palatable, palatable conversations for both EMRAs and people outside of EMRA to showcase the diversity of thought and experiences that we feel, um, you know, makes EMRA so special. And, um, a lot of our members, we feel confident in their abilities to share their experiences and thought process when it comes to approaching, you know, uh, a pre-health journey. And in addition, you know, chasing their goals and their passions outside of medicine as well. Um, we want to give our members a platform to, you know, showcase those things, but at the same time, be able to provide, you know, some life lessons and advice to the general public um, through these like fun, short conversations that we can have. Um, I'll be a staple in most of these podcasts moving forward, but, you know, to spice it up a little bit, uh, I'll try to bring some, you know, co-hosts and guests um, within EMRA and in the EMRA network to, you know, mix up the people that are participating in these, in these conversations every week. So um, this week um, for hosting duties, I will be joined by, you know, my good friend, Rishabh, who is also part of the EMRA leadership team, and I'll let him introduce himself real quick. Yeah. Welcome, everyone. Um, my name is Rishabh Shah. Uh, I am a senior in CLA. Um, I've also been in EMRA since I've been a freshman. Uh, so it's really been a journey seeing how this organization has grown over the last few years. And yeah, I, I guess now's a great time to introduce uh, the guest that we have today. Um, it's Itai Solomon. He is uh, an ex-EMRA individual. He's been a part of the program for a few years and has graduated. He's an alum. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for uh, inviting me to be on the first episode of the podcast. Um, I think... This was always something that came up, uh, you know, we used to play like two truths and a lie uh, during EMRA uh, general meetings. And one of the lies was I have a podcast um, and people totally thought it was true, um, which I, th I think was funny. Uh, but now we, we kick this project off. So I'm actually happy that we're putting it together and it's not uh, something that we're laughing about in general meetings. And we're actually disseminating some uh, information from the program. And um, I'm just happy to kick it with you guys and have a conversation, see where it goes. Um, but in general, to give you guys some background about myself, um, I'm 27 years old. Uh, I was, I'm originally from Israel. Uh, I immigrated to the United States uh, at an early age. Um, grew up in, in the Chicagoland area um, before returning to Israel to serve in the Israeli military. So I served as a paratrooper um, in one of the infantry battalions um, there. And I was also a sergeant. So uh, you know, commanded teams during operational deployments, things like that, day-to-day uh, -day security. Um, so that's kind of my, that's what I did following high school. I did my three years of military service um, in Israel. And afterwards, I decided I wanted to spend some time traveling before beginning my undergraduate studies. So I actually spent a year in South America backpacking on my own. Um, I got really into mountaineering and rock climbing and just spent a lot of time uh, in Patagonia and, um, yeah, it was a really great way to decompress from my military service and kind of think about the next chapter of what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I, I was actually summiting a volcano on the border of Argentina and Chile when I got the news that I got into UCLA and I was really excited to uh, relocate to Los Angeles. Um, 
so came into came into UCLA as an undergrad at the age of 23, which was definitely a challenge, especially that I was, you know, away from academics for such a long time. Um, but fortunately, I was able to find some support systems to help me transition through it, whether that was, you know, my lab um, or my wife uh, that uh, we actually met during the first uh, week um, of my first semester at UCLA. Um, and also getting into AMRA has been, you know, was a huge part of my undergraduate experience and uh, really, you know, shape me and uh, help me find my path on the way to medicine. So um, I'm currently on my gap year right now. Um, I'm back in Chicago. Um, my my wife started her master's degree here, so we're back. Uh, I'm really missing California, really missing Los Angeles, but um, happy to be here with family right now. Um, I'm currently working at an early stage tech startup um, during my gap year and volunteering with the Illinois Department of Public Health as a COVID-19 um, infection control monitor. So I've been doing some various things in my gap year that I didn't expect to do, but I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to uh, assist small businesses, uh, adapt you know, to the challenges of the current pandemic um, and, and uh, transition their businesses online with a startup and also uh, get to see what public health infrastructure looks like and contribute to some uh, initiatives here in Illinois to uh, curb the pandemic. So yeah, I'm, I'm in the midst of the, the current application cycle. I'm happy to say I have uh, heard back from one school and have one acceptance, but um, so I think I, you know, I will be a physician, which is super exciting. Uh, I think that was, you know, something that we, we were all nervous about in EMRA, but hopefully everything, you know, that I speak to, I feel now that I have a little bit more credibility and I can actually say like, yes, this is something that's, that works and is worth the effort. Um, and I'm excited to see where the rest of this application cycle goes. Wow, that's great news, Itai. Uh, congratulations, then. It's good to catch up with you after, after quite some time. Uh, I wanted to actually ask you, so I remember asking you this, I think the first time I met you, um, when you joined, uh, when I joined EMRA, um, and, mm -hmm. and I think it'd be interesting to see how your answer to this changes, um, now that you, you know, had a little bit more time um, going through school and whatnot, but like, how do you, your, your military experience, um, you know, from when you were younger, quite a formative period of time, in my opinion, you know, in your late teens, early 20s. How do you think that has like impacted your own perspective on you know going through undergrad? Uh, and yeah, the floor is yours, Itai. Whether it's like personal characteristic traits that you think that you've picked up on that are that have been really impactful, or just kind of perspective on on life uh, in general. Like, like can you know if you want to speak on that, that'd be that'd be awesome. For sure. Um, well, first off, I think I I wouldn't be the individual I am today without my military service. Um, there's definitely moments in my life where I, you know, I second guess it and I regret it because it, um, you know, it was a challenging time. Uh, there were some difficult experiences um, and I'm feeling kind of the consequences now, uh, physically and mentally, mainly physically, like just my body hurts from being an in infantry and I'm still rehabbing old injuries and trying to recover from that. So um, I, I try to, you know, focus on the positive things and those are um, that it made me, I think just more responsible and self-accountable um, and it made me more focused. I really don't think I would have been uh, as successful as I, as I was in my undergraduate career at UCLA if I hadn't done the military first. Um, I think I got a lot of the shenanigans out of the way during that time of my life, and I was able to just kind of come into school and be hyper-focused and hit the ground running. Um, so, you know, one of those things was just being, you know, being able to set goals for myself and being able to take steps to, to actualize them. So, I, I, for example, I knew I wanted to get into research, and I was able to um, you know, make a connection and get into a lab uh, the first quarter uh, of my first semester at, at, at first quarter at UCLA. So um, 
you know, those, those kind of, you know, being, being a self-starter, being someone who can take initiative and, you know, find opportunities. I think that was something that, um, previous to the army, I was kind of shy and hesitant. And, um, I, I think that, you know, it really helped me kind of grow out of my shell and, um, gave me some confidence. And I was able to translate that into, you know, finding opportunities to, you know, whether that was to engage in research or uh, succeed in interviews, things like that, um, that really helped me. Uh, and I think that one of the biggest takeaways from my military service was just the sort of aspect of process improvement. Um, you know, especially as a military sergeant, like working with my soldiers, whenever we did drills, it was really about how do we um, get better every time? Like, how do we really distill this down into tangible steps that we can take to improve ourselves so that, you know, we're making sure that we're carrying out the mission in the best, you know, best possible way. And we're taking care of one another um, and really not, not overlooking anything. So um, I think that that's really where my interest in like, you know, self-improvement and productivity kind of, um, you know, th that's where the seeds were planted. Um, I really, you know, took that to heart and um, because I really struggled as a, as a non-traditional student, I, you know, academics were just really challenging for me after not having been in school for so long. Um, but instead of getting frustrated, I really just took it as a, as a lesson of like, okay, how do I, and I, I think like the question I have for you is when it comes to, you know, deciding, you know, where to take your life moving forward and, um, the confidence with which, you know, you make those decisions, do you think that comes as like a byproduct of your age or a byproduct of your experiences? Um, just because for me, when I think of like steps I need to take forward in terms of like being confident with what I'm going to do like in the future, obviously medicine is a very ideal and a respectable profession that I would say most people would be, would want to pursue. Um, but having the confidence and, and, you know, the true, um, affirmative, you know, decision-making process to go through with that and having, you know, the stamina, the persistence, the determination, it's hard to build those things without adequate experience. Um, like being in a, you know, being a you know, military sergeant, um, you know, taking some time off and backpacking on your own, you know, you know, stripping yourself of like what is normally offered in life to then come back and reaffirm those desires later. I think like for every student that, that is taking the more traditional approach to applying to medicine, um, if there's any advice you have of like mindset switches or anything you can take to, you know, not necessarily replicate what you've been through, but, you know, still make sure you're confident in the decisions you're making. Um, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um... I think that's a great point you bring up. Like, uh, I think I have kind of a unique perspective on it because I, you know, I'm not really an American. I'm not really an Israeli. I'm some somewhat of a hybrid. So I feel like I have a, you know, outsider's perspective. And uh, it's really interesting to see how Americans are very, um, you know, career oriented. And, you know, higher education is kind of like the, the playbook. You, you go to school, uh, you go to, you know, your graduate studies, medical school, whatever it is, you start your career. There's not much uh, room in between there for, uh, kind of self-exploration or, you know, other activities. Uh, whereas in Israel, it's very common actually for people to travel. So um, from the American perspective, it seems kind of odd to take a year off and travel, but many Israelis actually do that. And I think it's a, you know, profoundly, you know, important time for yourself, especially at a formative year, you know, your early twenties where you're trying to figure out, you know, who you are and, and what things are important to you in life and what you want to devote your time doing. So um, it, it's tough though, because when, in the, you know, in the American context, you can't really put uh, backpacking on your resume or your CV. You can't really explain where that year went and what you did with it. Um, you can volunteer, you can do things like that. But um, I think the the time that you spend like reflecting and, um, you know, going through that process of introversion and like understanding who you are and, and what things are important to you is something that um, is not not applauded enough in, in, a, in American society and I wish people took more time to do that. 
Um, that being said, I think that I was a very, you know, um, like goal oriented person most of my life. Like I had a plan and I had to stick by it. Um, and I think that the military traveling and coming to UCLA, um, I, that slowly started to break away and I'm really, you know, kind of changing my perspective on it. And that's what I would encourage people to do is that you can, you can plan as much as you want. You can kind of have this uh, timeline, you know, in your mind of I'm going to go to undergrad, I'm going to apply right away. I'm going to go straight into medical school. Things will change. Um, and you have to be adaptable. Um, and it's actually something that I've learned from um, doing movement practices. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. I do. I train in like the adult portal method. So um, it's, it's a bunch of kind of a weird thing to explain. It's like gymnastics and capoeira, a bunch of different like physical modalities, but of, of training. But a lot of that uh, is also applicable to, uh, you know, your, your life. And it, there's a, there's beautiful metaphors for, you know, practicing something like getting good at a certain skill um, and the way that we carry ourselves in our day-to-day -day life. So I'll give you an example, like, uh, you know, practicing a handstand, right? It's something that's takes really long time. You have to have the right mobility. You have to open up your body. You have to have the right strength and the balance and all these things. Um, but we're always focused on the outcome, right? You want your, the outcome to be is I can execute this skill that I want to be able to do. Right. And that translates to, to various other aspects of our life. Like, um, you know, I want to be able to get into med school straight away. And that was something that I, I was very uh, kind of focused on my entire undergraduate career, especially being a non-traditional student. I didn't want to feel like my life is being put on hold again and again. You know, I didn't want to take an extra gap year. I didn't want to have to retake the MCAT, but you know, life happens. I had to retake the MCAT. I had to adapt. I had to change. Um, and I think that, you know, adopting that mindset of being more process oriented rather than outcome oriented really helped me to um, just be happier with, with my path and my journey and uh, be more, you know, feel a, a greater sense of fulfillment in what I was doing. Um, because if you're always out, you know, outcome focused and that doesn't happen, um, it, it can really, you know, be negative. Um, so that's something that I would definitely encourage people to, to adopt more is just to be more process oriented and realize that, um, you know, this is, this is a journey. This is a path that you're on. This is something that you have to practice every single day and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to see the results, uh, immediately. Um, so that's, that's what I would, I would advise people on the similar path. Yeah, that's huge, Itai, actually, like, like, kind of considering what we, you know, we, we were just talking about, like, taking gap year, right? Like, I think that's a lot of, a lot of students kind of in our position, me and Akil, um, and other, other pre-med students at UCLA, it's kind of something that you encounter, and it seems like, to a degree, to some people, there's, like, a negative connotation to it, but I think your story really highlights how, you know, exploring yourself, learning more about yourself, reaffirming your decisions. Um, it, it's a really impactful way of, you know, Im it impacts your perspective on, on moving forward through life. And I think, especially looking at college versus med school, and then everything that happens after med school, med school, residency, fellowship, and then you're, you know, straight working at that point. It, it's a long path, right? And, and med school in itself is going to be extremely intense, residency even more so. So after, after a certain point, your, your foot is on the, on the gas. There's, you're not pressing the brake at all. And when, when things have been going linearly your entire life, you, you're afraid to make that change. Um, but I think the question I've been asking myself is like, like, do I have a reason to apply straight? Like, if I don't feel like particularly inclinated to do so, like, why am I pushing? Why would I push myself 
to do it necessarily. And I think like I asked you and, you know, a couple of other other chords um, about this like the other day. And it was like, like, why don't I feel ready to be a doctor, um, you know, as a you know, 20 year old junior at UCLA? Um, I feel like when you're applying to something so selective and, and so, you know, a big life stuff like that, you should have the confidence in and, and, you know, you should feel ready when making that decision. And a lot of you guys have said like, you, you'll never feel ready when applying just because of how daunting processes in general. But I think like for my liking, like if I had to be completely honest, I don't feel like I've totally fleshed out those experiences per se that you and I have talked about, about getting myself, you know, there mentally to have my whys, my, like my reasons for doing these things. And I, I think like the moment you commit too early in that sense, you're like bound at that point. Like, I don't want the reason I go through with being a physician to be because it's too far to turn back, you know, like I want it to be, you know, an active decision of moving forward. And I think that's a decision I need to like straddle and, and grapple with in the coming months when I make those decisions, because like, obviously there's a lot to balance in terms of like potential personal planning and family planning, um, you know, like in losing a year of, of being an adult or losing a year of salary down the line, like, can you weigh those pros and cons with, you know, taking a year for yourself right now? And, you know, it's a discussion I've had with like family, you know, my significant other, um, you know, mentors like you guys, where it's like, there is no correct answer. And I think at some point, like, it just takes the process of doing the homework and asking yourself the right questions to, you know, to come to that determination. And like, obviously, like, I can relate to a lot of things you've said, Rich. So like the fact that you like had the confidence to like take a gap year, even when it's like, not the most accepted thing to do, you know, in certain families. And like, even for Itai saying like, he was super, I think that's Rich, that's like very important and relatable. I think grow from this and where, how can I target my weaknesses and taking that same sort of mindset that I had in the military um, and applying it to my academics or my extracurriculars, my research involvement, um, I think really helped me to be successful. Plan oriented and like circumstances had like made him deviate from that plan. And like, I mean, obviously now, like, like once you're forced to deviate, you don't necessarily have to say, but like the way he's been able to bounce back and, and find other things, you know, to make this process like still fulfilling, even though it didn't like especially go exactly the way he intended. Um, I think being adaptable and flexible are, are skills I want to build in myself. And to a degree, there's also you, like you'll face, especially in college with a lot of other people on that same linear path as you, there is a good amount of social pressure as well. Um, I feel like seeing a lot of your peers that are um, you know, you, you feel like you, you got your group of friends, they might be your pre-med friends, whatever it might be. And, and then they are all deciding to go into to applying straight and then you're not. And that, that was kind of the position I'm in. I only know maybe two or three other people that are deciding to take a gap year, whereas all my other friends are just, a, they, they're currently in the application process. Like having to consider that and that being like kind of weighing on your, being on the back of your mind and then still making those active conscious decisions of like what's best for you. You are making that decision for yourself right? It's not for anyone else. It's not, um, there, it shouldn't be anyone else telling you what to do. It's, it, you, that's what we were really talking about here is right? developing self-confidence to make that decision on like, this is something that I want to do. This is the perfect time for me to pursue it. And this is why I want to do it. Right. And, you know, Akil with you and like COVID and everything, I know that's like impacting, um, you know, it, it impacts your decision-making as well. It's in mind big time, right? Uh, it's just kind of the circumstances that we're all in right now you have to learn i think it's hard to to say like you know there's so much time that has passed by that you can say like oh this is lost time right this time because of covid is experiences that i could have had that i want to get before i go to medical school but like the flipped perspective on that is also like 
you know, this being going through COVID in and of itself is an experience, right? And that, if anything, can reaffirm your decision on going to medical school or like helps you push you in that direction. So um, it really depends, you know, from person to person, how the, the current situation impacts when you're decision making, but it, it's really interesting, like just talking to different people and seeing what their perspective on how this pandemic has affected their decision making and also like how you view your own larger decision making when it comes to just making these kind of bigger decisions about where, what you want to do with your life. Itai, I think like the thing that I like, took away from your answer a couple questions ago was, was the fact that things didn't go to plan and, and being adaptable and, 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 you know, having the presence of mind to, you know, take what's coming at you and approach it, like, you know, in a step-by-step manner, I would say is the way to go. The moment you, fo- like large picture is always important, but, you know, over, over-focusing on the large picture makes you lose sight of like what's right in front of you. And I find like, even with like, you know, in a, on a more micro scale, like when you're stressed in a week, like if you look, like take things one at a time, like in terms of assignments, like the stress is alleviated um, in comparison to like viewing the totality of what's, you know, what's assigned to you or what's, what's necessary to be done that week. In the same way, like I, I wanted to approach, you know, applying to med school in that same sense of like, let's not like go through this entire process with the goal of going to med school Rather, let's like take each experience that I, you know, you know, I put myself in for its face value and evaluate, you know, what I'm learning and like what I gained from each of those experiences, like regardless of whether or not I'm going to med school. And I think in like being able to flush out those activities and those passions in that way, like you'll be able to find ties and reasons why you're doing these things. And like in, in that sense, like build up to a career that aligns with a lot of the, those interests rather than like working backwards, which is I think like the main thing that a lot of pre-meds do is like they have the end goal in sight and they work backwards, right? Like if this is the end goal and in my interview, they're going to ask me about X, Y, and Z, like I need to go pursue X, Y, and Z. And then like to pursue X, Y, and Z, I need to have like X grades, X, M, cat, et cetera. Like it's a, it's a more like backwards progression in comparison to like the way I want to approach it, which is like each thing in its own step, like to eventually lead you to a goal that like, whether it's medicine or not, like something will come out of that, that like you can be happy about rather than like putting all your eggs in one basket. And I wanted to, because of like the, the totality of experiences that you've had and like even talking about pursuing passions, like, you know, like, you know, your, um, your movement specialties, et cetera. Like, how have you been able to fit those into your timeline? Especially considering the fact that like you were already non-traditional and you're at the end of the day, like you continue to pursue more like non-traditional things in your journey um, to becoming a physician. Because I think there's so much pressure to balance like academics, social life, uh, you know, like family commitments, et cetera. But like at the end of the day, like you've found time to pursue like just strict passions that like are so unique that they can only, you know, be your passions. Like there should be no other reason why you would be doing those things. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, I'm a very self-critical person. So I'm always asking myself, like, is this, something that's worth my time and is this beneficial? Um, and honestly, coming as a non-traditional student to UCLA, I very much took that like backwards approach that you're talking about. Like this is the end goal to get into medical school, but I had no idea what those steps were. So my only understanding of how to get there was from my peers and kind of, you know, the interactions that I had with people on campus and being part of the Emory community was what taught me like the, you know, the, the steps to get into medical school. Um, but at the same time, I realized that Uh, You know, it's kind of very cookie cutter. It's kind of this checklist of things you need to do. And there were times, especially during my, you know, first, uh, my freshman, sophomore year 
um, at UCLA, I felt like I was doing things because everyone else was doing it. Like this was the thing to do. You join these pre-med clubs, you join uh, these organizations, you seek out these volunteer opportunities, but um, they were all wonderful. Everything that I was involved with at UCLA, I think uh, was enriching and interesting. But a lot of times I, you know, deep down when I reflected on it and I thought about, you know, why am I even involved in this thing? It really came down to, well, you know, older students and people who I look up to really said that this is what I should be doing. But I didn't, you know, wholeheartedly feel that it was something that I was passionate about. And that's why I really, you know, started feeling, you know, feeling around and, and asking myself, well, what are the, what are the things I want to be spending my time on? And what are the things that are important to me? And, you know, ultimately I know that whatever that package is going to look like, it will be, you know, good enough uh, to, to apply to medical school. And I feel like I'll be successful and I don't have to, um, you know, listen to all the, the social pressure um, and, and the family pressure and everything like that. So I, I think, again, it's, I think it's very difficult to be in your situation because um, as someone who's older on campus, it was very easy for me to disconnect from it and say like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, I can carve out my own path. I could do my own thing. But I know if I was 18 years old and on a college campus, that influence would have been, you know, much more. I just want to be ready when I go for it. I think that's the biggest thing. And like asking enough questions to yourself and people around you, I think are the things I need to do and focus on before I make that decision. You know, it, it would have weighed on me a lot more heavily um, than, than it did when I was, you know, a non-traditional student. So I completely understand where you guys are coming from. And I think that um, it's, it's something that you have to make a, a personal decision for yourself. You know, like we have obligations to, we, I think we feel as individuals obligations to our family. We feel obligations to, uh, you know, abide by certain social expectations and cultural expectations. Um, but at a certain point, you need to also understand that you're an individual and that, you know, if you're not the one in control of your life, then um, you might end up somewhere in five, 10 years that you're unhappy with because those decisions were made for you. So I think that a lot of the conversations that I've had with people, um, hopefully they, they left feeling empowered because I was the, the weirdo that told them, well, why are you doing that? Why aren't you doing this thing instead? Um, and, you know, a lot of people are, are put off by it and it's, it's, it seems risky. It seems, you know, crazy or weird or not, not the safe bet, but, um, a lot of times they were much happier doing that thing than they were, you know, doing the, the pre-med path that everyone, especially UCLA, it's such a hyper, hyperactive pre-med culture, which is great and has its positives. But um, I think in the end of the day, like you can get sucked into it and that becomes your identity. That's what consumes you. Um, and Risha, we've talked a lot about this, you know, uh, what happens when you're in that pre-med bubble and uh, you're only interacting with pre-meds and your conversations are only uh, surrounding medical school and like, what's the right way to do this so you can get accepted. Um, it, it really narrows down the experiences that you can have. And um, I, I think that one of the you know, most beautiful things about being on a college campus, and now it's a little bit more challenging, obviously, because of COVID, but um, you know, being able to be exposed to a variety of different you know, people and cultures and individuals and different opinions. And um, so that's why you know, I, I think I would encourage people to, you know, if they can take a gap year, but on a micro level, like get out of the pre-med bubble as much as you can. I really looked up to, uh, you know, people in the Emmer program that, uh, you know, they had friends who were more business oriented or did things outside of medicine because they felt that those uh, interactions were not only more healthy, right? You can kind of become super stressed out when you're always around pre-meds and everyone's just neurotic and anxious and, uh, you know, talking about the same things. Um, and you kind of can balance it because you're, you're being challenged by different ideas, you know, different, you know, there's always the North, North campus versus South campus paradigm. Um, but I think it really holds true. Um, and that's why I would encourage people to, you know, 
seek out those experiences both at at you know college at UCLA and and beyond because those are the only experiences that will allow you to really make the decisions um, that are most important to you. Yeah, you tell you that that's huge actually. I I remember having those conversations with you and definitely impacted my way of thinking about you know the interactions having with other people. Um, the value of those interactions, right? And then on that, like, just who do you want to surround yourself with? Like, do you want to surround yourself with people that are making you more anxious, more nervous? Um, and, and, and kind of in a similar vein, Itai, I'm curious to think, like, how did that mentality impact your decision making for your gap year, right? And like, pursuing something that was more aligned with your passions, as opposed to something very uh, pre-med heavy, like lab or research or something like that, but more on the side of tech and um, creativity and, and body movement and things like that. Yeah. Well, first off, I just want to say, I think, um, you know, all these conversations that we're having surrounding like the decision to apply to med school straight out of like college is all, it's all about risk aversion, right? It's all about the safe bet. And I also come from an immigrant family. I think I've, I have that same sort of sentiment of, you know, do the safe thing, um, and get a good job. And medicine is definitely, you know, very stable and comfortable and things like that. Um, and I think that's why people are just, people have different levels of risk aversion and that's why they're, they, they take different decisions. Um, and very much in that vein, like I, I wanted to have a safe job coming out of college and I knew that, you know, I had transferable skills. I worked in clinical research. I worked in a basic science lab for four years. So I felt like I had a lot to offer. Um, and I applied to, uh, an interview for many, uh, industry positions and research, clinical research, um, you know, in biotech. And I was very excited about those opportunities. Um, and this was around like April, March uh, of this year. So uh, just when the pandemic was hitting. Um, and not only was I dealing with, you know, writing my senior thesis and graduating and everything, um, interviewing on top of that was tremendously like stressful. And I really, you know, I'm, I'm financially independent. So I wanted to really make sure that I was coming out of college strong and, you know, was able to provide for myself and everything. So it, it was a huge bummer when, um, you know, things took a turn for the worst with the pandemic and uh, those industries were hit um, and hiring was just frozen. So, uh, everything I worked for, all those opportunities, all the interviews were kind of for naught. Um, and it was very difficult and I kind of had to, to pivot to something, uh, something else. Um, and during, during my time in LA, I was training with, a with a guy and doing movement. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I couldn't really pay for the classes. I was used to be a broke student. Uh, so I was looking for ways to help him support his business and, um, actually linked up with these guys from UCLA who, um, develop fitness apps. And I was on the, you know, in the process of helping him with uh, building out as an app and, you know, have some sustainable income for himself while teaching classes. Um, that project ultimately like fizzled out. We didn't end up doing that, but the connection I had with the founders was really great. Um, and, you know, once the pandemic hit and my job offers fell through, um, I just decided to make an opportunity for myself. And I reached out and said, you know, Hey, this is, this is a product that I'm passionate about. This is a, a mission that I'm passionate about. And if there's an opportunity for me to become involved, um, let me know. And it kind of rolled from there. I did a project with them and uh, worked with them for a couple of weeks. And, well, you know, the chemistry was good. Um, I, I never envisioned myself working in a tech startup, you know, as a microbiology major. Um, but again, you take these opportunities um, and, you know, think about how, how these experiences uh, are going to, to benefit you in the future. Um, and here's me, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, thinking about um, A, applying to medical school and how this is changing medicine, right? So thinking about telemedicine and, um, you know, art, applications of artificial intelligence and, and clinical medicine, things like that. And all of a sudden, you know, working in a tech startup, um, you, you know, you start, you kind of connect the dots a little bit and you say, okay, this is not as disseparate as I thought it was. And I think that's the message that I'm, I'm trying to encourage people on the gap year is that 
you, you think that these experiences are not related at all. But in the end of the day, like you, you will take things that will benefit you later down the line. You know, me learning coding now or how to, you know, um, run a business, a, a scrappy startup, right, is uh, I, I think that those, you know, those, that business acumen or just the tech, uh, you know, understanding front end, back end engineering, things like that. Um, if, I, if that's something I choose to do later on in medicine, um, I think, you know, I, I'm gaining those skills right now. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, make the most of the situation and I'm trying to bounce back, um, and look at it positively. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I found myself, found myself in tech, but I'm, I'm very happy, happy in my position right now. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious now to see where, you know, this is going to take me later on in, in, in 10 years, if I'm going to look back at this period of time and say, wow, you know, uh, even if I was doing a little bit of JavaScript and things like that, and trying to understand data structure, um, you know, it might translate into something really beneficial later down the line. So again, being like process or oriented versus, uh, you know, outcome oriented, the outcome oriented me would have said like, man, you, you messed up. You didn't land a job that's paying, you know, 70 K out of college. Like you graduated from UCLA top university. Um, I had these certain expectations for myself. Um, I, you know, I was able to take on a little bit more risk and take on the startup position. Um, and I think that it's just opened up so many more doors than I expected, you know, working for a big biotech company where I would just be, you know, processing samples or running experiments for someone. Yeah, Itai, I actually, you know, as you were talking, I was like formulating you know, the next question I wanted to ask you, but you touched on it briefly in your answer. And when you, you know, tried to juxtapose the two, whether it be tech and, and medicine and how they're not as dissimilar as, you know, one might imagine. Um, I think more so than that, I think like I wanted to ask like, oftentimes in like experiences that are like not, you know, that seem like dissimilar to other things, there's like other lessons you can take away in terms of like indirect lessons, like whether it be team building, you know, like solidifying like interactions with people that, you know, like superiors and inferiors, like straddling that balance. Um, I wanted to sure. like know if there's anything else you learned, you know, like, like what things like do you think are either transferable or just like important uh, about, you know, what you've done so far in your gap year? Well, I think first, um, you know, working at a startup is just ambiguity. Um, and I think that, you know, the founders, they, they've been really great mentors to me, but that's what they kind of told me to expect first on. Like they said, they couldn't have handled it coming out of college because I think we all expected, you know, there's a certain structure that we work in, whether that's, you know, in, in clinical research through EMRA or at school, right? Like you have expectations that are like handed down to you from the top. The professor says, give me this assignment by this date or you, know, you have to enroll patients, whatever your responsibility is, like everything is very clearly defined. Whereas startup is the exact opposite. Um, the, the, the goals and the process is less defined. It's more of like an empty canvas that you have to kind of you know, put the paint on yourself and no one's really telling you how to do that. Other people can kind of you know, guide you and give you advice on it, um, but the ambiguity is really there. So I think that's something that I've really tried to take away from this experience. It's just how to be, um, you know, self-oriented and, and trying to prioritize my time. Like when I first came onto the company, I had all these ideas and I wanted to do so many things, but I just realized that a, we didn't have the resources. Um, I, you know, or the technical capability, our small team couldn't really handle it. Um, and it was just outside the focus of our vertical. Like it, it wasn't relevant to what we were trying to do. Um, and I think that having to go through that process and shift through that ambiguity taught me how to really, again, like be laser focused and try to understand okay, what is, the, what is the, the most important thing I could do right now to, you know, move, move our goal forward, 
or what is the most important you know thing I could learn? I, you only have a certain amount of time in the day, right? If you really break it down, I think we talked a lot about this, like when we were talking about MCAT stunning a kill, right? Is like, how do you make the most of the time? Doesn't matter when you wake up, like all that stuff. You your time is finite. It's like a you know opportunity cost. So if I'm spending all day, um, you know, for the startup researching how to build this like sales funnel and increase my uh, you know uh, conversions from my cold sales emails and things like that. Um, is that really bringing benefit to the company versus me trying to code, right? Where you have the guys who are like early senior engineers, they could probably do it way better. Where's my time better spent? I think MCAT studying was the first time in my life where nobody told me what to do. And I just knew it was important, you know, like when, when the pull is that, you know, it's like basically like the score in essence, like don't want to, you know, say like completely, but for a large part determines whether or not you even stay on this track anymore you know so when the pull is like that clear cut and dry like the motivation is there necessarily to work but at the end of the day like no one's telling me every day like what i had to study what i had to accomplish like at the end of the day you tailor a schedule to like what you personally think like is beneficial to helping you reach like your end goal at the end and like luckily for me like through talking to like mentors like you and like other people who have been there before i was able to you know put the work in for three and a half months and, and get a score i was happy with I think that like first process of like putting work in for three months without seeing like the end goal in sight and then like, you know, receiving the fruits of your labor after is like a very empowered, empowering thing to begin with. And like, I also was able to transition that mindset into a little bit of the coordinator role where there isn't a lot of handholding in this role either. You know, this is like one of the first like leadership roles I've ever taken um, in an organization. And I've noticed I've been given a lot of freedom to pursue my own interests through this position. Um, there is an expectation that you contribute something, but that something is like totally up to you, right? So I think like through that, I realized like, if you aren't passionate about the projects that you're pursuing or that you're undertaking, um, nothing's gonna get done, right? So like there has to be some tie or some motivating factor to get you through working something, whether it be like your teacher's grades in a class, like whether it be, you know, the social pressure of everybody else doing work around you, like whatever it takes for you to, you know, to, to find, you know, those motivating factors, I think um, you got to figure out what works, what works for you and put yourself in environments that elicit, you know, you know, that, that, you know, work, hard work mentality in you. And it's up to each individual to figure out what works for them in that sense. But I think like, this is a good transition for us to start talking about, you know, high performance habits and productivity, which is something you are, are very passionate about and, and passing on to younger generations. I know through your experience at UCLA, being like an older student, you in some way, like we're, you know, more open to the idea of taking on like more stricter regimented habits when it came to your studying, instead of, you know, taking the prototypical cram the night before approach in terms of like truly understanding your learning. Um, we can apply, we can apply those habits to like anything in life. And I wanted you to kind of kick off that, that conversation about like what habits and what switches do you think you made um, starting from undergrad to the end of undergrad that, you know, helped you figure out what worked in terms of being a productive um, person, you know, in any sector or industry? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I think my, my view on this has probably changed drastically in this last year. Um, and, you know, since graduating, but I look back at those, you know, that time when, when I was studying for the MCAT and I took it originally um, in, in January um, and did not do as well as I wanted to and realized that I had to, to make a change. Um, both in, in my studying, just because I felt like I didn't have good studying habits. Um, but it was just a necessity because I was just doing so much outside of MCAT studying, you know, my, my extracurricular involvement, my academics, things like that. I just felt like I had to be really 
um, more, more focused with my time and try to, you know, get the most of it. So I think that's, again, like going back to my military service that um, the idea of like process improvement um, really, you know, came back and I was trying to, to figure out how I could apply that to academics and just succeed on this exam and overcome this obstacle of this, uh, you know, score that was dangling in front of my face, like you said earlier. Uh, it's one of those things where you you can doubt yourself uh, if you don't do as well. And you, is this, you know, you think, is this right for me? Um, and that's really where my interest in, you know, productivity came. Um, so first and foremost, it was about, um, you know, lifestyle things. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's worse living in a world that's just, uh, there's so many distractions, right? Uh, whether those are, are social or just the amount of information that we can consume today. Um, you know, there's, there's so much going on. And I think there's, there's something to be said about turning it off and finding a way to, you know, and that was really like a turning point for me that showed me that there's two kinds of people. There's the people that, you know, only work on their strengths and there's people that work on their weaknesses and the people that work on their weaknesses, whether that's in their academics, in their lifestyle and their habit in their routines and their physical practices, like those are the people that uh, can see improvement and, you know, are more well-rounded rather than people who are only doing the things that come easiest to them, come natural to them. Um, and it's definitely something I took from that experience of MCAT studying. Yeah, that's huge, Itai. Uh, I remember, um, I think one thing that I was actually gonna ask you another question about, but you kind of answered as you were kind of talking to was like, what are like the methods in which you kind of do, you, what, what daily activities, what little things you're doing, picking up day by day that improve your productivity. And a lot of it is, you know, mindfulness, working out, things that I think really tackle your internal motivation. And that's something that we talked about earlier, right? Is like uh, for pre-med students and not just pre-med students, students in general, we're so used to having some stuff handed down from us, right? Rather than having the internal motivation to go out and do things. And that's something that you experienced during your gap year um, or you've been experiencing during your gap year with the tech jobs. Um, and I personally, I mean, we've talked about this. I'm working on developing my own app. Uh, and even with that, there's a lot of, it, it's a blank canvas, right? Um, and, and it's not even just that, even if you're you know, a musician, you're an artist, uh, you're always working with blank canvases, right? You're always applying your creativity, your imagination to, to create something. And it's purely driven by the, out of your own internal motivation. Um, and I think that's a big thing, right? Like during, during MCAT setting, even whether while you're doing MCAT setting or not, um, a huge thing to keep yourself, you know, tackling your internal motivation is picking up that small thing, whether you're going down and strumming a guitar or uh, you know, lifting weights for a little bit or going on a run, just getting one thing going in the morning or one thing during the day, just just kind of hole up somewhere and just do the one thing that you need to do. I think we're always, you, I'm sure you guys feel this as, as way too, like we're always multitasking. We're always like listening to a podcast and working and trying to do this and trying to juggle multiple projects at the same time. Um, but there's something to be said also about like essentialism and just, focusing on the one task that you need to be doing. And I think that's that's what I tried to learn in my MCAT studying was just to be okay with the fact that I'm just studying for eight hours and this is what I need to be doing, right? Like all those other things you can kind of dial down for a bit um, because they're just not as important for that particular point in, in your life. Um, and I was also just kind of trying to optimize like my, um, I, I think I became like fascinated with like morning routines, um, you know, like trying to start my day a better way. I was never really a good, like a morning person. So I was trying to find a way to optimize, you know, the habits that I was doing in the morning so that I could be more energetic, productive. Um, but I realized that came, you know, back into, you know, fixing my sleep. Um, you know, whether that was three years in the military or like traveling, like 
it was just a mess. It was all over the place. And I was definitely consuming too much caffeine, um, not sleeping enough. Um, and I think that was like impacting other aspects of my life. Uh, I think I was just, you know, emotionally just more anxious because my body wasn't well rested. Um, again, like touching on those like movement and like just physical activity. Like I just, I think that there's so much to be said about uh, finding, finding balance in that. And we spend, you know, as, as pre-med students or people working in this modern sedentary world, like we just spend so much time sitting and we're not enough in our body. And that's why we can get too like cerebral sometimes. Like, I think we just get too much in our heads about, you know, again, outcome, outcome, like, is this the right thing that I should be doing? Um, so I, I carved out time for myself to be in this body and just, you know, kind of be present. Um, whether that was, you know, exercising, working out, uh, mindfulness, things like that, I felt like really helped, um, you know, manage anxiety, stress, um, and help me to perform better on the test. Um, I, I will say though, that like those, that like sprint that I did to retake the MCAT was, uh, you know, a very focused time and a very specific routine that I developed for myself. And it wasn't sustainable. Like, I don't think I could keep that going. I, and I haven't kept that going, you know, after the exam, as soon as it was over, those habits quickly, quickly fell apart. That morning routine does not look like the same morning routine it was when I was taking the exam. So um, I think that, you know, it's interesting to, it's, it's fun to like try to develop a habit and develop these routines. Um, but there's something to be said again about adaptability, right? Like those routines uh, are only applicable if they have a, a specific function, right? Like you shouldn't live that way if it doesn't out ultimately like help you reach that goal um, for that particular period. So I think that, you know, it's something that's always in flux, something that's always changing for me. I'm always um, kind of experimenting and trying to figure out, um, you know, what's a, what's a better way to, to make the most of my time. Uh, but, but the MCAT, you know, uh, th that period of studying was really when I, I had to be super reflective um, and really look at my weaknesses and be super honest with myself. And I think it's one of the most difficult things uh, to do is just to, you know, be transparent with yourself about where you, the things that you're strong in and the things that you're weak in. And instead of doing the things that you are strong in, which we like to do, right? Like if you're a good biology student, you want to do uh, all the biology problems in the world because you'll get, you know, you'll get all them right. You'll feel great. Your ego is in the sky. Um, but, you know, for, for me, for example, I struggle with physics. So uh, like working on physics was, it's not, it's not fun, it, you know, but you, you see that result when you, when you, tar you target your weaknesses. Um, once you get that one thing going, it helps everything else. And I noticed that, like that's, I, I used to play music a lot when I was a kid um, and I stopped all throughout college until MCAT studying and I picked it back up because that was the one thing that I used in as a de-stress mechanism. But I found out that doing it, you know, 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day added a structure to my schedule and I was internally motivated to do that so then now is, I somehow felt more intimidated to study for the MCAT, which was kind of interesting to see how that, that panned out. Um, so yeah, like for a general audience, I think like putting Itai and I experiences together is picking up those small things that really help your internal motivation are really, really helpful. Um, and it doesn't have to be something that, that studying or academic related, it can be something that you just purely enjoy, a hobby. Um, those, are, those are really helpful. Um, and, and one thing that, you know, you also touched on Ita that was interesting is like how your productivity method shifted when you were on MCAT versus on, on, off MCAT schedule. I'm curious to see how your productivity has shifted, you know, when you're, you were in a state of pre-med when, you know, things were handed down to you and a lot of external motivation factors were applied to you versus now, which is a lot more internal motivation driven. So like, if you want to touch on that for a bit, like how has 
how have you restructured the way that you kind of tackle your daily activities um, now versus then? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, just looking, reflecting back on my MCAT studying period, um, it was very regimented. It was very, you know, it was a routine. I think it's important to break down, you know, the difference between a routine and a habit. Um, so I, I think I heard this on a, a from Nir Eyal. Um, he writes a lot about like business and productivity. Um, definitely check him out. He does like podcasts and he's got some books, um, but he kind of breaks down the differentiation between a habit and, you know, routine as a habit is something that you do like unconsciously. It's something that you just, you know, you're on autopilot and it, it happens, right? So for us, it's like you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, like that's a habit. You don't need to think about doing that, hopefully, right? If you're like a functioning adult. Um, but again, a routine is a, is a space where you're giving yourself the, the mental, you know, space to, you're, you're conscious in it, right? Like it's not something that's happening automatically. And I think that was something I learned from MCAT studying was that this is not a habit, right? It's not something that I'm going to go on autopilot and chug through my U-world questions and do my Anki, right? You have to be consciously, you know, participating and active in that moment. Um, so it's trying to figure out like, what in my life is a routine and what in my life do I want to be a habit? Do I want to automate so that I can have more time for things, right? You know, MCAT studying was like super regimented and everything. Like now it's just a routine. Now it's just about finding blocks of time during my day where I can sit down and, you know, I'm going to do, I just devote this to sales or I devote this to, you know, client onboarding and, and I'm just doing coding, things like that. So being super specific and also being intentional about that time. So uh, front loading the planning. I think that also comes, you know, you can apply this to MCAT studying. Like you, you have a three hour, two hour, whatever chunk of time that you have, you're trying to, you know, orient yourself and or be intentional about what you're going to be doing with that period of time, rather than just sit down. And if it's too vague, if it's just, you know, I have my calendar out and it says MCAT studying or. Awesome. Itai, I think, you know, as we, you know, had an amazing discussion today and we wrap up this podcast, I think like the last question I wanted to ask you is, I know specifically for me, when me and you first had that conversation about productivity and, and the moment you understand that it, it is something you can actively control, um, it, it is like an enlightening moment um, to understand that you have the ability to control the way you approach things. Like it isn't, you know, the, the psychology terms, internal versus external locus, locus control. The moment those two things, you know, become clear to you um, it is very, you know, eye-opening. And I think like the thing you often struggle with once you even learn that is like, where do I start, right? Like, right. what thing can I do first to even like, uh, you know, begin the domino effect, you know, get the snowball rolling to become, you know, a more productive person in general. So I think like for the average listener, you know, who has never thought about productivity in this way before, um, what things would you propose that they, you know, think about or, or, or like try to incorporate into their life, like easier, smaller things um, that can get that snowball rolling to the point where like, those next things, like those bigger productivity steps, um, you know, routines that are getting built become the second nature um, after a certain amount of time. So if you want to, you know, drop some words of wisdom as we, you know, end this podcast, that would be awesome. Well, that's heavy. Um, let me think. I, I think first and foremost, like get it down, get your thoughts down on paper or a digital note-taking system or, you know, have a second brain somewhere. We, we think that, you know, we can just do everything in our head um, but personally, I find for myself, like you can find a lot of clarity by actually organizing your thoughts and formulating a plan. Like I said, front loading a lot of the, the planning steps so that when you have time to work, you're just working rather than trying to figure out what you need to prioritize. Um, and I think also there's this, this kind of like, you know, um, again, from like movement practices, martial arts, things that I've done, kind of this like beginner's mindset, like always approach thing, approach everything you're doing from a beginner's um, eye, right? So um, 
what, what that lets you do is always just be curious and always be open to learning and, and, you know, growth versus, you know, trying to be, uh, you know, very critical on yourself when things don't go your way. Um, and I think that's, that's really the, the beauty of, of, you know, going down this, this journey of productivity uh, is if you have the beginner's mindset about everything, um, you're always, you're always going to be, you know, kind of curious and like, how, how, how am I going to learn from this experience? How am I going to grow from it? What can I take from it? Right. Um, and again, like, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like focusing on your weaknesses, that's something that's not easy to do. And I think that, um, you know, especially in modern life, we, we completely shy away from it, um, because that's, that's our tendency, right? We always shy away from discomfort. Um, but go towards that place of discomfort, go towards your weaknesses, work on those things that you're not good at. And that's, that's going to help, you know, not only build your character and your ability to, um, you know, be self-reflective. Um, you'll be able to achieve your goals because the things that are holding you back, um, eventually, once you go down that path and you follow that process, they won't hold you back anymore. Um, and, and that process never ends. And that's kind of the beautiful thing is that, uh, you know, there's always something that could be improved. Um, but at the same time, I think like I, I always like all the students, everyone I've talked to, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big into like these little habits that can make like big changes, right? Uh, if you guys read the book Atomic, uh, Atomic Habits, I think uh, um, that, that book really distills that idea down that if you make like small changes throughout your life, like incrementally, it will make a difference in, in the long run. Um, but it shouldn't be something that like is you become obsessive about. You can't like let it consume you, right? You still have to find a way to live life. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's, there's people, there's like hustle culture kind of that goes on, right? Where people, especially with pre-meds are just about, you know, how can I grind harder? If I grind harder than this guy, I'm going to, I'm going to be better off because I, I was able to stomach doing, you know, four more hours of Anki. I'm going to have the edge. Um, there is something to be said about that, but I don't think it's a sustainable way to live. Right. And if you're going down this path of, you know, medicine or tech or any of these kind of, uh, you know, professions that require this sort of lifestyle, uh, you have to find a way to make that sustainable. So, um, you know, find out, like, like Rishab said, find a balance, find an outlet for, um, you know, things that are outside of your primary, like career focus. I think I talked to you about this, Akil, where if you, if you're so focused on, you know, you're telling your brain, like, I have to execute now, I have to perform on this MCAT, like full length exam, right. And do the best I can. You're probably going to crumble under that pressure. It's like, uh, you know, I always do the, like the metaphor of like a basketball player, like the game's almost over. They have to make that free throw. If you put that pressure on them, they're not going to be able to do it. So you have to, the mind works in a very similar way. You have to take breaks. You have to go away from it sometimes from whatever you're trying to do and give yourself that mental space. And all of a sudden the solution comes back or you come back fresher to it and you're able to actually get things done rather than just putting that pressure on yourself constantly. I don't know if that was, I feel like that was a barrage of a bunch of different things. I tried to uh, put a bunch of things in there, but hopefully, um, you know, in this hour or so conversation that we had, there's something beneficial and it sparks an idea for whoever's listening to this out there um, to, you know, work on their own habits and improve their own productivity or just, you know, take a, take a second look at their decisions and where they're going uh, in life and, and think about if they're making that decision for themselves or if it's influenced by, by family, social pressure, societal pressure, things like that. Thank you, Ty. You know, that's, that's an awesome way, you know, to end the podcast. I feel like, you know, the whole point of this is to give people something, you know, worth listening to. And even if they can take like a couple of things away from our conversation to incorporate into the, you know, their lives, like we've done something productive with this hour conversation. Um, so I think that's a great way to, you know, cap off this episode of the podcast, our, our first podcast. Um, you know, obviously we want to thank you for stopping by and, you know, being gracious with your time um, and having this conversation with us and, you know, giving back to an organization. I think 
that speaks volumes about you know, not only like your personality, but like the culture of our organization and that like people are willing to, you know, stop by and pay forward everything they've learned throughout their college experiences. And then obviously you want to thank Rish for stopping by as well. And uh, the listeners for listening. Um, we'll catch you guys in the next one.